Welcome to Chit Chat Money. This is our Thursday deep dive episode where we talk to an individual on a single stock. Uh, and today we're talking about Playway, which is a video gaming stock most people probably haven't heard of. And we're talking with Spencer Sabelli. Did you have any highlights from the interview? I think the big takeaway is personally, it's going right up on the top of my research list. So if that entices anyone to get interested in listening to this, uh, but if you like gaming stocks, if you like that industry, this is a, I don't want to call it a hidden gem because we don't want to, you know, you got to listen to the interview, do your research yourself, but it's quite interesting, uh, kind of an undiscovered company in Poland. Um, and I thought the most interesting part was that their revenue was all in USD and Euro and they're paying wages in Poland. So there's a natural arbitrage that gives them an advantage, at least from a margin perspective. That was the most fascinating part. And again, there's a lot of other stuff with these niche uh, PC games that they've been doing quite well with. Yeah, and I'm, a, I'm just a generally a big, I don't want to spoil too much, but I'm a generally a big fan of these sort of, I guess you could call them video game holding companies where there's you've got a lot of diversification in terms of the games that bring in revenue. Uh, uh, Embracer Group, we had the CEO on. If, you're, if you like that, yeah. this is a very similar business. Big fan of that structure. Uh, but before we get to the interview, we want to talk about our friends, our sponsor. It's quarter for this episode. And we're in the heart of earnings season right now. I'll tell you what, used quarter this morning, used it yesterday. I'm officially a two-time DAU now. You could put it on 1.1 1, 1. 1 speed. It really helps speed up that conference call when people talk slowly. Do you, do, are you a skip to the Q&A kind of guy? Nah, well, depends. It depends. It really depends on the management team. A good executive team, no. But if you're one of those executive teams, and if you're listening executives, please stop repeating just your financials from your letter. If it's someone that just repeats their financials from their letter over and over, um, like 20 different metrics, I will be skipping. But if it's usually you know a short one that a company just highlights some things that were in the letter or some qualitative stuff, I'll listen. Yeah, that's. I listened to the Spotify one this morning. They got that up pretty quick. They also get the transcripts up pretty quick too. So if you're not sure what it is, I guess I should explain. Quarter is an investor relations app for your phone. They have it on iOS, Android. You can listen to conference calls, read transcripts, read presentations, all from one app. It's pretty nice. It's 100% free. It's Q-U-A-R-T-R. Uh, you can also check them out on Twitter at quarter underscore app. They have tons of companies. So go ahead. Like I said, check them out. Without further ado, let's get to the interview. Welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are also general partners at Arch Capital, and Arch Capital may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guests is not formal advice or recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. Welcome in. Today, we are joined by Spencer Sibeli. He is an investment associate at Robotti & Company. Uh, and he actually contacted us via email and we were able to read one of uh, his research pieces on a company called Playway, which kind of piqued our interest because it's in the gaming space and we follow gaming. So how did you come across uh, Playway to start? And then what, what interests you particularly about the Polish gaming market? Yeah, definitely. Um, so how I actually found it is, yeah, I was a, a I still am a big shareholder in CD Project. It's one of my largest holdings. Um, and, you know, that's had a pretty unfortunate run. Um, but I guess what got me interested in CD Project is 
you know, the year they released Cyberpunk, so fiscal year 20, they did like a 54% net income margin, right? And just super, super high. I think take two that same year did, you know, 13%. Um, so I was like, oh, that, that's, that's a bit strange. And yeah, just kind of started to look why and, you know, saw 70% of their revenues or, you know, USD and, and Canadian and, you know, the entirety of their costs are in Poland. Um, so just giving them this huge sort of margin bump. Um, and then, yeah, from there, I just, you know, wanted to see, are there any other players in Poland that do this? And, you know, it turns out there's just a, a massive sort of ecosystem in Poland. I think there's, I think there's 65 public, you know, video game developers, and then maybe like 10 to 15 kind of video game related companies. You know, there's one that operates like a, a digital skin, like exchange platform, um, there's one that's like kind of a knockoff steam. So there's just like a massive, massive um, sort of ecosystem there. And it's super, super interesting. Um, I think I sent it to you in the, the original email, but <clears throat> the, so the entire industry, like I think 96% of revenues are, you know, exports. So they're, they're outside of Poland. I think 50% industry-wide comes from the U.S., you know, the second biggest market is Germany, third biggest is France. And I think fourth Asia is about like 10%, you know, mainly Japan's and China. Um, so just the entire industry, you know, experiences the same phenomenon of, you know, revenue and stronger kind of Western currencies with really, really cheap input costs. Um, I think the average wage in Poland is one third of Germany and it's a quarter of the U.S., so, you know, you have really, really cheap, really good programmers, and, you know, a really strong kind of revenue base. Um, and, you know, they're all paid, paid in Zloty. The Zloty has been, been weakening pretty uh, significantly against the dollar and euro, um, you know, past six, six something months. Um, and then in addition to that, there's just like a really strong culture of, you know, I guess like mathematics and engineering. Um, so there's just an abundance of, of local programmers. It's just like kind of in the culture. Um, so that also like pushes down average prices and you know, just the supply of workers in that arena is, is pretty strong. So you kind of have this like threefold phenomena where, you know, they're, they're all earning money in USD and euros. You know, wages are a third of, you know, US, a third of Germany, a fourth of the US. And, and it's, you know, just a plethora of programmers. So they, they have really, really high margins. And, you know, the 54% for CD Project is kind of, you know, the, the thing that caught my eye. Um, I mean, there's other studios. There's 11-bit, which is public, that does, you know, the mid-40% range. Uh, you know, PCF Group does 20 to 30% range consistently. Creepy Jar does, like, the 50% range. Um, so, I mean, that's what I really kind of liked about the market. And, you know, you can... Some some of them are still expensive, but you could find you know a lot of these players you know and arguably they trade at much higher multiples in the U.S. Um, so you kind of get that uh, get that discount. And then I came across Playway. Uh, Playway is the second largest by market cap when I found it. It may it may be like third or fourth now. Um, but basically, what Playway does it operates as this massive sort of umbrella sort of ecosystem. I call it. Um, so they basically have direct stakes in, I think it's 126 something companies now. Um, 
So I think there's like 460 something public and private in Poland. So they basically have stakes in a quarter of all, you know, incorporated video game companies there. And yeah, basically what they do um, is they, they give these companies money, you know, on average it's one to two million slotties. So, you know, 500,000, uh, $2 million. And they say, come back to us in five years with a video game. Um, you know, it's pretty easy, decentralized, you know, it gives them uh, independence. Um, and, you know, he kind of lets them, lets them do their thing and, you know, Playway kind of, you know, they, they have, I think 30, 40 full-time employees, kind of quality assurance, um, and different things. So the, the studios they make investments in, they have the opportunity to, you know, to kind of utilize Playway's network and, you know, just get help with you know, testing and, you know, prepping for launch and, and different things like that. Um, so yeah, it's just... You know they they have really you know and obviously there's a, there's a lot of busts too. Um, I think at the height of it, there were you know Christoph is the, the guy who found it and runs it. You know he was taking you know ten companies per quarter, like five good, five bad, um, and that you know that's kind of slowed down now. Um, you know just because as they've already built this this huge network, but yeah, it's just you know it's, it's sort of a numbers game, and, and he feels he has. You know, some really, really good companies, some really, really good teams. I know they have over 100, uh, 100 games in developer development right now. Um, and I know over half his subsidiaries that he signed on haven't even released the game. Um, so it's just this kind of massive sort of system, ecosystem. Playaway is the kind of the central organization that, you know, can help where needed with these different subsidiaries, you know. They need uh, some help with programming, or they, they need to tweak something, or you know, just questions about marketing, finance. They're the kind of bedrock of, of this entire organization. Um, Similar, so I guess like, that, that's play in a nutshell. <laughs> so they're basically, if I'm understanding it right, they're essentially just the holding company for all these independent studios. Um, there isn't they themselves aren't publishing any games, but they're doing, it, I guess, through these subsidiaries. Yeah. So. They, they they actually do publish it uh, a lot of the games the, the holding company and they also do have some internal studios okay um but yeah i i'd say that's that's probably a good way to describe it it's just this big holding company um it's got its fingers and all these different you know sub organizations um you know a bunch of them they own over 50 percent, so it's fully consolidated some are minority positions and the minority positions a lot of the times pay dividends too. Um, so they get real kind of money from that consistently. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I think over 23, 24 of them are public now, about a hundred million um, total market value with those. And, and yeah, so that's kind of the, the general strategy right now. Okay. And with a capital allocation business like this, management is very important. The people that are making these decisions to invest in all these other companies. Um, what are your thoughts in general on management and what get, you know, why have they become the dominant kind of player in the Polish market, at least in investing in these other studios? Talking about the management and whatnot. So I, I guess like it's important to explain a bit of the history. Um, so the guy who founded it, Krzysztof uh, Kostowski, he has a long sort of history in, in the video game industry in Poland. So he actually started, you know, doing a wholesaling company and kind of skirting around copyright laws. There was a bunch of loopholes. So basically he would import games from the West, 
and kind of sell them pretty cheaply in the, in the Polish market. So he got some money from that. And the way he explained it is, you know, instead of buying a Porsche or a flat, you would just invest the money in video game developers. Very, very young, um, kind of early 2000s and stuff. And, you know, he just kept doing that, kept building up this network. And then he kind of realized that there was this, you know, phenomenon that like, you know, investors wanted to invest in these companies, but the risk of, you know, investing in a small team of five Polish developers, you know, in their flat in Warsaw is, is pretty risky. Um, so then what Chris realizes, you know, maybe these investors would rather have me do it, do it with a bunch of them and they can kind of own that exposure through me and in this company I build. So he, he just kind of started like that. He started investing in these teams, um, you know, just five, six, seven, as it grows, you know, he, he's now, you know, pretty appealing to, to the investor class who want exposure to this, you know, pretty quickly growing market um, without having the, the, you know, hit or miss risk that kind of plagues a lot of, a lot of video game developers. So he was, through that, he kind of developed a name for himself as kind of the go-to guy, right? If you're a young group of developers, you go to Kristoff. Like he's willing to give you money. He's willing to take the risk. And as he grows, right, each new investment is, you know, less risky um, in terms of kind of his total exposure. So he just really built a, a large name for himself. Um, and, you know, 10, 15 years later, he he's just known as a very experienced kind of you know, trustworthy operator who's kind of nailed the process down. You know, we talked to him in the past and he he said, you know, people didn't think he'd, he'd get, you know, one successful company and then he had one very successful and then, you know, can he get to three to five more? And he's kind of hit all the roadblocks and, and you know, uh, you know, points that, that people said he, he wouldn't cross. Um, so I think in terms of operating, you know, he, he's a great operator. Um, and I mean, besides that, he's, he's just very passionate about the company. You know, he met with us, uh, I think, three times. You know, one time, some people were on the West Coast. Like, he literally met with us at 9 p.m. Warsaw time for an hour and a half, two hours. Like, he was just very willing to, to go into the nitty-gritty details. Um, you know, he doesn't have a salary. Um, you know, he, he kind of lives off the dividend. He, he owns 40% of the stock, so... Yeah, that amounts to to a decent amount. Um, I think it's uh, like a four and a half, five percent yield right now. Um, but you know, they, they don't have you know company cars, lavish offices. Um, you know, they rent some studios out for their subsidiaries in Warsaw and other cities. But that's about it. So he runs a, a very low cost sort of clean shop, um, and he owns a ton of stock, no salary. He'll meet with you whenever, um, and you you just tell him he's talking. He's very. Uh, very passionate about, about the company and what he's built. Pluralsight, a tech workforce development company, provides the solutions high-performing engineering teams need to tackle today's biggest challenges. Whether it's building the skills individuals and teams need to tackle mission-critical projects, driving cloud transformation, or helping software teams to ship reliable, scalable, and secure code. Harness the collective power of hindsight, foresight, and insight with Pluralsight at pluralsight.com slash vision. What types of games does Playway make? Uh, are there any that maybe people in the West would know of, like any hits, or are they more kind of niche? Um, they, they are more kind of niche. Um, so, I mean, they, they really focus on simulator games. Um, so they just kind of simulate real 
in-person sort of activities. Um, you know, so their two most popular games are called Car Mechanic and then House Flipper. So, I mean, Car Mechanic is a pretty extensive um, real life simulator of like a, you know, of working in an auto shop. So you get various jobs and missions and like there's these detailed engines and you have to like, you know, screw stuff in and, and you know, fix the tires and you know, go on the computer and order tires with the right dimensions and stuff. It's like really, really extensive. Um, that was their first major hit in 2014. They've had two sequels since then. Um, one just released this past year. And yeah, I mean, like, like, like you could have a, I don't know, like a, a Mercedes Benz and you could take off the whole thing, you know, rework the engine and give it a new paint job and, and try and grow this like, you know, mini operation within the game. Um, another big example is called House Flipper. You know, that's just simulating kind of, you know, a fixer upper like flipper business. So you'll, you'll go on a, a computer in game, you'll buy a, a house, it's a dump, there's trash everywhere. You got to like physically pick up the trash and <laughs> physically like scrub the walls, make it clean, repaint And people it. are playing this? <laughs> people are playing Dude, House Flipper has over, I think with mobile, 35 million individual downloads. That is insane. Uh, <laughs> that's yeah. funny. It's like the last thing I would think I'd want. Maybe it's, it's the appeal of not having to do the actual labor, but just exactly. simulate. Exactly. Yeah. And then look, you make cool houses. You can kind of show them to your friends and you know, see the different designs and stuff. You know, it definitely appeals to a, a certain niche. Um, but that's a really cool thing about Playway is they have all these realistic simulators. But I mean, if you're passionate about engineering and like building cars, like you'll love car mechanic. If you, you know, are more creative and, and you know, like interior design or just architecture, like house flipper, you'll, you'll probably really enjoy. Um, and they do that with a with a bunch of their other games as well. Just they pick kind of really niche environments or, or, or games that, will appeal to a small percentage of people. And then, I mean, some of them are also just fans of the simulator genre in general. So you have people that'll just, you know, follow play away and, and almost like a, you know, cult-like and, you know, buy whatever uh, new game they have. You know, they have one really interesting game. It's called U-Boat. So it's like, like you, you, you simulate uh, German World War II U-Boat. There's like crew management, like there's, there's missions, like first person combat. Um, so that's a really unique game. There's one called Thief Simulator, where you just you're a robber and you have to, to go into neighborhoods and rob different homes and see what loot you can find. And there's there's another one called Gold Rush, where it's just like you you simulate kind of a, a big gold mining operation. So you, you climb into the, the mining machine, you go into the caves or whatever, and you kind of dig out of the ground. Um, there's one called Mr. Prepper, that's sort of like a you know, it's like a base building game almost, but it's like you're building out a bunker. So like you, you have all these underground rooms and stuff and customize them and, and build them and kind of grow that. Um, so these know, games, these games are more, it, it sound, they sound very niche, but uh, it sounds like they have certainly have their target audience. Uh, are they more like you pay upfront versus is there any sort of live services component or is it all like the purchase of the game up front is really the primary revenue? Yeah, it's, it's, it's mainly the purchase of the game up front. Um, so normally they, they would sell for $20. Um, and yeah, you know, I mean, given the, the recent inflation problems, especially in Poland, they've, they've pretty much raised prices across the board. 
So, you know, car mechanic and house flipper would normally sell for 20. They're not going for 25. Um, so that's, that's the main source of revenue. At the same time, there are also tons of DLCs um, and just like different content packages. So when Car Mechanic launched last August, which took the number one Steam global uh, bestseller, by the way, on the day of the launch, they, they launched with like a launch day starter pack, you know, $10 to get all this content or whatever. Um, that actually took the number two spot. And then beyond that, yeah, there'll be like, you know, five to $10 DLCs, add-ons, um, you know, House Flipper, they have a new DLC coming out called Farm Flipper. So you need the, the base game to run, to run it. Um, and, you know, it's obviously less money, you know, maybe like $10. Um, and you get kind of a whole new, you know, content package. Um, so that also, that also helps as well. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Okay, and I want to clear maybe this part up because you talked about it a bit, but Playway itself, are they making any of the you know decisions telling the studios, or not the studios, uh, whoever is making the game, like, oh, we're going to sell this DLC, we're going to sell it at this price, or they're, are they giving all the monetization like strategy, like are they separating themselves from that or are they making decisions of how to price this stuff in the market? Well, it, it depends. Um, I think Playway does definitely have a big role um, in terms of pricing. And I guess we'll get into the to the marketing strategy a bit later in economics, um, but they're really good at, at publishing games and, and kind of getting people to buy them. Um, and, you know, as they call it, kicking the, the algorithm, like, you know, there's if you go on one of their pages, it'll it'll show a bunch of different games from the same uh, developer or publisher. Um, so they kind of manage all the front-facing stuff and the, the consumer stuff, and feel like they really have that down. You know, in terms of like control, you know, so some like House Flipper and um, Car Mechanic are internal studios, um, so they have much more discretion and you know, it's kind of telling them what to do than they would company they have 20 or 30 percent stake right and that leads to the next question you mentioned unit economics i think that's something people are going to be interested in hearing about because they're so strong um how does it work like can you go through just the margin structure and the cost of the business and why they have such strong margins sure um so so overall it has very low overhead um and you know they they, they have a bunch of different strategies that, that make them very very unique I guess off the bat, you know, on a $20 sale, Playway, the, you know, the holding company, Playway Group will usually net like $11 to $12 per game. Wow. Um, so that's on average across, you know, the organization, obviously in, in a minority investment, you know, 
that'll, that'll be different and they'll usually get a dividend or just depends on the agreement with the, with the group itself. Yeah, including DLCs and all content packages, so kind of everything they sell, that brings them down to about $6 average net. But, you know, just on average for an actual video game, like a house flipper or car mechanic, $20, they get 11 to 12. Um, and so, you know, breaking down the costs, it, it's, it's super interesting. Um, so, for example, with the car mechanic simulator, Playway doesn't pay them. It's an internal studio, but Playway doesn't pay them any salaries, right? So it costs them pretty much you know, $0 to maintain the group. So what happens is Playway will give them a 15% royalty in all sales of the game that they produce, hmm. right? So the net copy per game, that's how it ends up being 11, 12, right? Steam will take 30%, you know, 20, 30%, and then Car, Car Mechanic, that physical team, you know, that group or whatever, five, six, seven people, they'll get 15% ongoing. So that covers everything pretty much. Um, and it's, it's, they do that with a lot of their teams. Um, one, I mean, it really incentivizes the teams to stick with Playway. Um, you know, it's, it's just, you know, they get an ongoing royalty for the games. I mean, most developers, you get a salary, maybe some company stock, but you don't really get skin in, in your own, um, you know, game you develop and the actual, the actual sales that it does. Um, so, I mean, there's other examples as well. Um, you know, the house flipper team, it's a team nearly 40 people. Playway does pay out some salaries there, not large ones, but they also pay out, you know, 20% royalty on house flipper sales to that team. So that's a kind of another scenario Well, they'll pay some salaries and they'll, um, you know, kind of pay out that royalty. Um, and then the third example is minority positions, right? They don't really take on the cost, but part of the initial agreement is that these minority positions have to pay Playway an annual dividend. Um, so, you know, if, if it's 20% stake, you can assume it's 20% of, of net profit. Um, and it, it differs because there's just so many subsidiaries and different agreements. Um, but I guess those are kind of the three, uh, you know, main kind of structures that they have with these minority uh, or just subsidiaries in general. And also I'd say on the minority positions, like the companies are happy to do it. And like, I'll explain about the marketing in a second, but, you know, getting access to Playaway is sort of massive, you know, marketing infrastructure is, is really a game changer. Um, so I think companies are happy to, to um, you know, kind of pay Playaway consistently. Um, but yeah, I guess in general, it's, it's, it's pretty simple, you know, $20 game, 11 to 12 net, like I think salaries, you know, I, I kind of have this written down, you know, the nine months ending September 21, you know, did 175 million PLN revenue, you know, over, over 40 PLN uh, million PLN was the royalty payments. And then salaries is only about 15 million PLN. <laughs> so they're receiving the revenue up front. The main expense is just paying the, you know, the associated royalties and just having very low expenses in general. And, you know, that's evidence in, in 2020, they didn't have any major releases, right? So no house flipper, no car mechanic, no really big game. So that was their best game ever, uh, best year ever. So, you know, they, they didn't have to pay any salaries for the most part. You know, they just pay out 20%, 15% and everything goes to the bottom line. Um, so that's the super unique and interesting thing about Playaway and creates this very strong sort of incentive structure. Um, and, you know, I asked him, is, are you, do you ever fear that, you know, teams will leave or, 
you know, all the talent will go somewhere else. He's like, why, why would they, you know, they, they make a lot of money from their games and kind of, we support them on the marketing front. And so, I mean, super strong incentive structure and, you know, everyone's happy pretty much at the end of the day. Um, and I will say another, another interesting thing that Playway does, you know, going through the economics is that they recognize all the costs up front when they arrive. So, you know, a lot of bigger developers like CD Project, for example, they'll amortize, you know, the development costs for Cyberpunk. Yeah, I think it was like 3% a quarter for, for, you know, X amount of years. Um, so that makes them look more profitable in, you know, the year of release. And then, you know, the next quarter, they're not as profitable. Um, and, you know, it's not kind of a true, you know, true way to, to do it. Um, so Playway just recognizes all their costs up front. On average, they fully recoup the development costs within three days. Um, so pretty much anything after that is just, you know, goes right to, to the bottom line, having, you know, paid Steam and then paying the royalties to these uh, subsidiaries. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Here you are miles from home and ready to start your vacation. Good thing you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. They have free high-speed Wi-Fi to stream all your favorite movies. And in the morning, get fresh waffles with their free bright side breakfast. Or squeeze in a workout at their fitness center. Either way, you're ready to conquer the day. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you triumph. Book your stay at LQ.com. Right. What does uh, Playway's valuation look like today? And I guess what is the last uh, few months have definitely been sort of a tumultuous time period in that uh, section of the world. So what's kind of happened? Has, have they seen any um, reaction to that and their pre- stock price at all? Yeah, sure. Let me, let me, I, I got to add one more thing on the, the, the economic yeah, fronts and yeah, okay. why the, the margins are so high. So, and this is, this is very important. Playway spends nothing on marketing. Like, I don't even think they, they break it down in, in their income statements, like marketing spend line, nothing like that. And so they, they kind of have, you know, three major strategies. It's, it's one, they release free demos and prologues, you know, so it's a very limited kind of playable version of the game, you know. It'll, it'll be free, you know, and they just hope, you know, the game spreads the word of mouth and they can see what needs to be improved if it's worth developing more and, you know, do that for about half their games. Another super important part of that is the wish list. So on Steam, you can add a, you can add a, a game or, you know, a, a prologue to your wish list and Playway can monitor how many people um, have added it to their wish list. So, I mean, it, it's super smart. I mean, you know, so they throw out 10 concepts, right? And the top three basically get all of the, the, the people adding to their wish list. They basically know which games are going to do well before they fully develop them. So, I mean, there, there's just no need to, to, to spend anything on marketing because they, they know which games are going to be hits. Um, so, I mean, it's just, it's a super smart way to, to kind of align themselves, you know, with their fans as well. And, like, all right, let's cut the BS. Like, here's some concepts. What do you guys like the best? And, and then they'll develop those kind of more fully and put the, you know, the, the lower kind of ranking games to the back. Um, another super important thing is, is the Steam layout and cross-selling. I mentioned this a bit before, but you, so if you're on the House Flipper page, Steam will show kind of recommended games from the same, you know, producer, developer, whatnot. 
So that's super important. And you can kind of swap out the recommended titles and stuff and, and really take advantage of that algorithm. Um, so there's about 600 pages. Playaway has 65 of them, generate 90% of the traffic. Um, so Playaway, whenever there's a big release coming, they want a fan to see it, they'll, they'll put it there and you'll see it. Right. So you don't need to do any traditional marketing and out banners, anything like that. Um, so, I mean, that that allows them to get that income margins in the mid 60 percent range, you know, even higher some years. Um, just just zero spend on marketing, which is super important. And then one last thing I'll say on that is the sequels and DLCs. Um, kind of once you have a, a base game down, it's super cheap to, you know, to quickly kind of remodify it. You know, either make a DLC like Farm Flipper for the for the House Flipper series. You know, U-Boat um, was a big game. They have a new game called Aircraft Carrier Survival. It's a very similar layout. You know, same engine, all that, but it's just you know you're simulating aircraft carriers instead of U-boats. So you know, maybe it costs a, a fourth of uh, the cost of the original game to develop, but you know, you can sell for the same price. Um, so there's a lot of things that just kind of allow them to, to have such high margins. Um, and yeah, zero marketing spend is obviously a, a big part. Yeah. And how about the valuations? Yeah. So, I mean, the valuations really come down. Um, you know, there's a wig dot games index. So that's the, the five largest um, by volume game developing companies in Poland. That's down to about you know March 2020 levels. I mean, it's been really destroyed. Um, I think a lot of that is the CD project. They, they've been crushed. Um, but there's been some pretty poor reports. You know, 10 Square Games has, has had a bad report. CD Projekt just reported the market didn't like their uh, their their report. Um, so there, there's just been an overhang in general in the industry. You know, it trades at about you know low to mid 13 times uh, trailing earnings, you know, so September, 2021, trailing 12 months. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's cheap. You know, the Warsaw index as a whole trades at about a 10 times PE. I mean, and there's, you know, much slower growing companies that aren't as profitable or, or super levered, aren't, aren't necessarily, you know, as clean or in a, such a popular industry. Um, so I really think it, it should demand more of a premium, and yeah, you know, it traded at you know over two times the current valuation. You know, in twenty earlier in twenty twenty one, and it was at like mid six hundreds PLN. It's about like two forty today. Um, and there's there's other factors as well, right? Inflation's pretty high in Poland. Uh, government's been raising interest rates pretty aggressively. Um, but you know, if if you just kind of take a not super aggressive stance and you know they could they could grow you could thought 25 percent a year you know and that's that's historically been pretty low for them um you know it could, it could generate 50 million in earnings and you know two to three years and you have a 400 million dollar market cap right now that's you know what eight times or something not not super expensive um you know you have companies like take two trading at 30 times earnings and obviously very high quality business, but you could argue the, the growth prospects are, you know, not as strong um, as a, as a playway. Um, so, I mean, it's, you know, obviously you're, you're in Poland, it's a small cap, there's lower volume, those things do weigh on the multiple. Um, so you, you can either wait, you know, collect a nice dividend and, and let this thing grow over time, or, you know, maybe there's a, a change in sentiment in the market as well. Um, but I think 13 times is, is a great price. And, Happy to pay it.
how does the company grow from here? I know they're focused on these niches. So I think that's maybe a big concern people have. And why the focus on computer or PC games instead of mobile? It seems like these type of simulator games would be perfect for uh, smartphones. But correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, that's right. Um, so I, I think, you know, the PC culture is just very strong in Poland. So it kind of started as that. And a lot of these developers started on PC games. Um, having talked to, to Kristoff, you know, mobile is very much a, a strong focus for them and, and you know, will be uh, likely a strong driver um, going forward. I mean, the House Flipper game, you know, 30 something million downloads on, on mobile. Um, and that's just like super, super impressive. Like it, it's one thing to, uh, you know, if you're super into designing homes and, and stuff and playing it at home on your computer versus just like buying it and, you know, playing it on the way to work or, you know, when, you, when you're on an airplane or something like that. Um, so that is something that can be a very strong kind of growth driver for them. But I'd say they just started in the PC world because that's, you know, I guess that's the culture in Poland. A lot of people play on PC. Um, yeah. What about competition? Who who are I guess Playway's big competitors, or is, are they really just competing uh, for consumers' times at the, consumers' time at the end of the day? Yeah. Um, so I mean, not, not many big competitors. I think a lot of it is smaller studios, just independent, you know, studios. Um, you know, Nacon in France, they have tried to, to enter the genre a bit. N-A-C-O-N. Um, so they have some recent games like, you know, Bee Simulator, Pro Fishing Simulator, Hunting Simulator, things like that. Um, I mean, I, I just checked it yesterday. You can see active players on, on steamcharts.com. Yeah, their fishing simulator had, had one person and Playways had like 60 playing at that moment. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, there, there is some risk that other companies kind of see this niche and how popular it can be. And, Enter it, but I think it's a lot harder. Um, you know, the House Flipper game took four years and 40 people to develop. Um, so it's a much kind of larger thing than, you know, it would seem on the outside. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Playway is still better um, and just has tons of experience in creating these games. Um, not saying that people kind of, you know, won't try and emulate it, but they have a, you know, a really, really strong position. Um, and I also think they're they're kind of pivoting as well in their overall strategy. I guess we could talk about it a bit. Um, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Hit, hit on that sure. if that's important. Yeah, so I think, you know, kind of Chris has gotten over the most difficult part. You know, you know, years ago, he would take 40 companies per year. Half of them will be good. Half of them will be bad. And, you know, he has 120-something really strong. You know, not all of them are really strong, but just – you know, a well-run diversified group of low-cost programmers, right? They're under his wing, they're incentivized well, they get percent royalties, you know, most people are happy. Um, so talking to Chris, he is going to start slowing down, it sounds like. Um, you know, he took a bunch in 2020 because that was a, you know, just an exceptional year for gaming um, and the market in general. Um, but it sounds like he's going to start slowing down. And on our call with him, he said, they're kind of shooting for one game and one new company per quarter. And, you know, he has gotten much more, um, you know, 
I'd say rigorous in his due diligence right before he would just shell out money. All right, take, take half a million and, and come back to me. So it happens now he needs to get to know them. He spends three to six months with them and really wants to make sure they're good guys. They'll do something good. He likes the project, et cetera. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure the, the net rate maybe will, will kind of be the same of teams that are successful, you know, that versus just having a bunch of busts. Um, but they already have the network. They got over that. They could slow down and, and kind of really utilize this network, right? Like over half the companies haven't even released a game yet. There's over 100 games in, in, in production right now. Um, so I think that's a super important part of the, of the story. And there's also new monetization options, right? So I think this, this is also a huge you know, part of the potential growth story. For example, they had a German publisher approach them, right? I think it was a two to three million euro deal. You know, they had this idea. They basically gave Playlay all the money up front, right? Covers all the development costs. They say, build this game for us with your low cost, you know, Polish programmers. And then we'll split 50-50 once it's released, right? So it's kind of a risk-free option, you know, for Playway to utilize this network they have. They get all the money up front, they build the game for this German publisher, and then they split the profits. So he said a lot, they're getting approached by a lot of deals, a lot of uh, publishers like that who want those deals. Then also on the flip side, you know, if if a, a small development team has a, a finished game and and you know, they want to uh, publish it, they, they will come to Playaway and, and kind of do the reverse. Um, so Playaway is like, all right, you have this game, it looks good, we'll publish it for you, but we want 50%. So just because they have this massive kind of infrastructure programmers and then this marketing infrastructure team and the layout and stuff, they can kind of utilize that and almost get kind of risk-free royalties going forward. Um, so I think that that can be a, a major driver as well. Then I'll say one thing, um, he does like to IPO his subsidiaries a lot. So I think they have 23 public ones. Um, he he kind of sees, you know, one IPO per year going forward and kind of of the 120 so companies, he thinks 10 to 20 could be good IPO candidates, but it's super interesting. And, you know, obviously you want to wait until the, the market catches a bit and, and gets a bit stronger, um, the Polish game dev market. But like the house flipper team, right? That's it's a huge part of the company. He can go and create an LLC, have the same incentive structure, and just IPO that on the market, and it gets a multiple. Um, you know, thus increasing Playways NAV. They get money up front from the sale. Um, so there's some optionality in that regards as well, and they've done that uh, several times. All right, I think everyone's and their minds talk. You know, it's Poland, and that place of the world right now is very. Uh, chaotic, I guess. There's a lot of risk geopolitically. How does the company, are they worried about that risk? Or is there a way, like, will they be, since they have the developers, like, it's not like they need the, to literally be in Warsaw to build the games. Could they, yeah. you know, get everyone out of the country if need be? I mean, what's the risk there? Have they talked about it at all? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some risk. Um, you know, Poland is bordering Ukraine, sporting Belarus. Um, I think, I think it's bordering Russia too, with the Kaliningrad region. So, you know, any escalation or, or further destabilization, you know, in the Ukraine crisis will have a negative impact, you know, on the market in general, um, their equity markets and, you know, inflation, consumer markets, all of that. I will say as a response, you know, Poland is a member of the EU, it's a member of NATO. 
Um, so I think they're pretty well protected from any worst case scenario, right? Any direct confrontation, NATO gets involved and it gets a lot more serious. Um, so that's a, a pretty strong, you know, buffer. And then, you know, as long as that doesn't happen, I think things will likely be okay and they might even benefit, right? I mean, this thing may go on for a while and the Zloty will likely stay weak for a while. And, you know, in that scenario, you know, they're earning, I think it's 90% of their revenues in, in USD and euros and all their costs are in Zloty. So a week's Zloty for an extended period of time is, is actually a good thing for the company. Um, you know, other risks are, you know, inflation. Inflation is, is really high in Poland. A lot of that is energy. Um, you know, there's news yesterday that Russia stopped in flow of gas to Poland. Um, so that's obviously a, a big problem. You know, Playaway can easily mitigate that, right? 20 to 25, most of the games, just like that, boom. Um, so they're pretty well covered on, on the inflation aspect. Um, so I don't think for them specifically, that's, that's a huge issue. I will say though, Poland is, is probably pretty prepared for, you know, just the situation in general. They have a new Baltic pipeline um, with with Norway that's that's coming online in a year or two, and that will, you know, they're saying it's gonna, you know, completely, um, you know, fill the the gap from the, you know, not importing Russian gas. Um, so, you know, there are problems, but you you kind of have to just you know and i mean i think a lot of it's it's priced in probably too um you know the, the stock has been absolutely crushed uh interest rates have been raised um and you know this was at 30 times earnings a couple months ago it's at 13 now um and nothing's really fundamentally changed about the company um so yeah i i don't worry about it too much um i think they're they're well protected probably I think that's all the questions we have. Is yeah, there anything else that we forgot? Is there anything important, I guess, to the thesis that we didn't touch on? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think as this grows too, um, it's an economies of scale thing, right? You grow larger, you have more money, like they have 40, 45 million net cash, all US dollars. Um, you know, so they're now sounding on, you know, companies that specialize in strategy games, right? They're making some, uh, you guys know, Sid Mears, like Civilization. Kind of games like that, more city builder games, um, more uh, you know. complicated, getting more co- more more complex games since they have yeah the more now. complex games, yeah. uh, shooter games, um, you know survival games. You know I think they have five companies just focused on VR. You know three companies just focused on the Nintendo Switch. I know they're they're going more after mobile, going more after console. So as this grows larger, you know Kristoff can kind of shell out more money and they can work on stronger projects um, and each time they get a hit right you know they recoup the cost in, in a couple of days and it's just you know flowing right to the bottom line for you know for as long as the game is, is selling um, and, and they're doing cool things too like they have this new joint venture with uh, Robert Lewandowski as I'm sure you guys know being uh, soccer fans so it's yeah. a 50 50 JV with him and they're building this this kind of pretty big uh, it's called football manager or something like that you kind of build out a football team, you know, your stadium, uh, your colors, and you can, you can play as a striker. And it's kind of like, uh, you know, I guess manager mode in, in FIFA without as, as much playing. Um, but that's something really cool. And Robert's obviously really huge. Um, and I just think in general, they're, they're a low cost producer, like, you know, with such low wages, they have the ability to take more risk. They have the ability to, you know, 
do more publishing deals like the one I mentioned with the German company and just really utilize this, this large network and Christoph can kind of go where he wants. I mean, he, he's, I think he's got over the, the most difficult part. That's why he's slowing down, taking on new teams and stuff. Um, and there's just many different ways to, to monetize this thing. Um, so, yeah. Wait, I have one more that just came to, sure. to my mind. They have, so there's that advantage with the USD and Euro situation. Do you think that gives them a hiring advantage in Poland because they can, uh, compared to almost any other company in Poland, I'm sure there's other ones that have that advantage too, but compared to most other companies, they could say double someone's salary and still have very comfortable profit margins. Like, do you think that's an advantage of convincing people to come work for them? For sure. Um, and I think that ties into the royalties, right? So, I mean, almost all of their sales are earned USD, euros, uh, pounds, um, things like that. So, I mean, giving the intern, even internal teams, so teams that aren't, you know, kind of outside subsidiaries or studios, they give them direct royalties. Um, so it's super important. And I'd also say kind of, you know, if, if you come to Playland, join the group, right, you're now part of this marketing infrastructure, you know, there, there's a much stronger chance that your game will catch on and kind of be seen by, by Steam players in general and Playway fans. Um, and I think studios know that, and that that's a competitive advantage they felt. Makes sense. All right, I think that's all the questions we have. Uh, Spencer, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. Where can people Thank find you? So much for oh, having yeah. me. Is there uh, any way for like we have a, I guess a big Twitter presence? Is there any way for people to find you there or online or if they I don't questions? have a Twitter, uh, you can search me on LinkedIn. Love to connect and, and chat on Playway or investing in general. Um, so just Spencer Sibiller. Okay, perfect. All right, well, that's going to do it. We want to remind our listeners that Brett and I are not financial advisors. Anything we say or discuss here on Chat Money is not formal advice or recommendation. We are, however, general partners at Arch Capital, so clients may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time.